Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Nightcap. No! This is Patrick! Time now for the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Well, this kind of stinks. I thought, I was hoping the next time me and you would be on this show together, we would be previewing the Super Bowl. You and me both. It was? Was it that close? No. Well, uh, like I guess making it to the AFC Championship game means it was close. But, man, Sunday, like, I, I, I did a lot on it on Monday. I don't know how much I want to talk about it again today with you. I, I'll, we'll, Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney here on the nightcap. Brendan was not here on Monday, so I guess I'll just ask for your general thoughts, and then we'll, we'll move on. You're, wa- you're watching that game, your feelings throughout it, I don't know. I, by halftime, I felt like it, there was no chance they were coming back. Yeah. Um, the first time I really thought that the game might be over was when Singletary dropped that that ball on third down in the first half. That's when I was kind of like, this is not setting up well. The defense can't make a play, let alone a stop. It was just, it was It was not good. Um, you knew Josh Allen was not at his best, and you knew you would need him at his best to right. beat that team. That was that was a probable. There was so much wrong with what happened on Sunday that it's hard to really blame any one specifically. Like I, I look at the decisions McDermott made, and it's frustrating because we were all so amped and jacked up and excited that Buffalo was now a leader in the league in going for it when you're supposed to, mm-hmm. not punting ever, really. I, I think, didn't Josh Allen have more touchdowns this year than Bajorquez had punts? I, I think so, through yeah. The, at least through the divisional round, I believe. Like, so... Right, maybe Sunday that changed, but you were right. So, going divisional. So for the biggest stage for all of the decision-making to kind of revert back to this conservative, let's play to not lose by a lot was really frustrating. Because, And here's the other thing. How are you going to beat Patrick Mahomes? That is really I I didn't like the the place I ended up after that game. 
because it almost was giving up. Not quite giving up, but almost saying there's nothing you can really do. That's that's how I feel like it came out when I made the comparison to Peyton Manning's Colts against Tom Brady's Patriots. That was the, the comp I made. That the next decade of Bill's football, the best case scenario is you are Peyton Manning's Colts. You are good every year. You are a contender every year. You are at the top of your division in the odds before the season to win it every year. But you're always going to run in to Brady. And in this case, you're always going to run into Mahomes. And you will get one or two on them. Like you, You'll play them enough, and you are good enough, that if you play them ten times, you'll win three. You'll win more than everybody else will beat them. They've won 26 of 27 now. The Chiefs have, not including their Week 17 game where Mahomes didn't play. 26 of 27 with Mahomes in the lineup, I think maybe is the stat. You'll get a couple. But that's not a good place to be. I I would take that because that likely means you're getting a Super Bowl. You're probably not getting a bunch like Kansas City might be on track to do. Like they're maybe the, the they're the front runner to replace New England as like the next dynasty. I don't think the Bills are there. And I'm not sure they'll ever get there as long as, as the Chiefs exist with Patrick Mahomes and the way they're currently constructed. But I also, I, also I don't I don't like settling for that at the same time. Even though I think I might be right in that projection, I don't like settling for for Peyton Manning's Colts. I also don't think they're as good as Peyton Manning's Colts. Right, well, that that's also a big question. That That's why I label it best-case scenario. Yeah. Um, so and why I, do I feel so depressed saying that, even though that, again, <laughs> right? is like that's a decade of contention. It's uh, what we've always wanted. You know what? I, I want to wait before I come to any, like, rash conclusion about how I feel about the Bills because I still think the the suddenness of an incredible ride being over is still looming. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everything is going to be doom and gloom the day of and the we- maybe couple weeks following a loss like that. Like, I even I even tweeted the night of. I was like, I don't want to watch the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> we got why, the would worst I wanna, possible. why would I want to watch the Super Bowl? There's no one to no. root for. Mm-hmm. There's no one to root for. And it's not even like – see, it's, it's interesting because I would have bet – I was over the loss the night of. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing really to get over. Like you got spanked, and so you whatever. saw it. You you kind of you had the game to like as it was going on. You had the game to start accepting right. it. It wasn't like the Arizona game where it's just like boom, you lost. Right, exactly. No, spot on. But at the same time, a close loss would have showed me at least they are close. They're in the realm. They're they belong in the conversation of the Chiefs in that game. All it did was, it might have actually pushed us further away, or pushed me further away from thinking they're anywhere near the Chiefs. And I think yeah. that's what, so I'm upset that they got blown out. I'm, mm, I'm glad it wasn't a heartbreaker, because I would, I would be, <laughs> like, depressed right now, mm-hmm. right? If it was a heartbreaking last-second field goal or something crazy, a Hail Mary, a something crazy, goal. a missed yeah. field goal, something crazy. But... I would have at least been able to come to terms with the fact that they were close and in the same conversation as the Chiefs. All the all the Chiefs did was prove that they they are the cream of the crop and no one is in that conversation. At least on the AFC side. If they lose to Tampa Bay, fine. But Tampa Bay is going to 
they're they're going to be done soon when Brady leaves. Mm-hmm. It really reminds me. They remind me of the NBA. They the, the the Chiefs do. They remind me of the great teams in the NBA, and maybe that's because they're literally just breaking the sport. They're maybe breaking the sport the same way the Golden State Warriors did five years ago, where everyone was like, "Wow, this can't keep up. They can't keep shooting threes like this and win titles." And and they did. They they had the greatest of all time doing what they did best. And there's a reasonable argument right now that Patrick Mahomes is playing the sport at a higher level than anybody has ever had done has ever done that before. Yes, he's getting the benefit of an incredible scheme and two guys that are making Tredavious White look like a practice squad player out there. I mean, Tyreek Hill turned him inside out a couple of times. He couldn't cover Kelsey. Like, those two are incredible. So he is getting help. But he's playing the sport, I think, at a higher level than anyone ever has. And they were on cruise control. Right. Like we, we, I convinced myself of it. I convinced myself the Bills and the Chiefs, the gap was not that big. Like I always thought Kansas City was out ahead of them. But I I thought the Bills were going to win. I, I increasingly thought that they had, you know, the, the worst word. I can't believe I convinced myself that they had the momentum. And that's why <laughs> they were going to win. But that is, like, that was the feeling. Because for two months, again, Kansas City was on cruise control. They were winning one-score games, sometimes against bad teams. But th- this is where I compare them to the NBA. Look at the great teams in the NBA in the last five years. The Warriors, the Cavaliers with LeBron, the Heat with LeBron even before that. Those teams were not finishing first in their conference in the regular season. Why? They were just waiting for the playoffs. They were just making sure... You know, that they weren't getting injured and they were doing just enough to win. Like, they could flip a switch whenever they wanted to. And then when the playoffs showed up and that switch was always on, oh, look, that's why everyone considers them the best team in the sport. And that, to me, is kind of Kansas City. They didn't have to be on 100% of the time down the stretch. And then you see it when they had to flip the switch. They're just going to be that much better than you. And I do think the the potential gap between the Bills and Chiefs is smaller than what we saw on Sunday. Because I think Josh Allen's best performance can't even beat Kansas City playing like that. But that is where the gap exists to me. It is, in part, it's not all about the quarterbacks, but a lot of it to me is about the quarterbacks. Josh Allen's best game, I think, can match Patrick Mahomes' best game. But but Patrick Mahomes never, ever, ever has the game Josh Allen did on Sunday. Right, and uh, I said this last week in the run-up to... I think it was our last show of the week. Josh Allen at the top of his game is one of the few quarterbacks in the league that can beat Mahomes while he's also playing at the top of his game. Like there aren't many quarterbacks like if I'm trying to think of an example here. If uh insert quarterback X who isn't an MVP candidate, is playing at the top of his game, probably still not good enough to beat Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen, at the top of his game, can beat Patrick Mahomes when Mahomes is playing at the top of his game. There aren't many quarterbacks who can do that. Mm -hmm. So, now, that again, though, is just, all right, we just have to wait until we play them again, again and hope that Allen's best game comes out. What do you think, the first week of the season? Thursday night football? I think they're going to be the opener. Because I think Kansas City's going to win... On Sunday, I think, by the way, the Bills also play Tampa next year, don't they? They sure do. On the road. So the Bills really could be the opener for either team. I do not think they would be the opener if Tampa wins, even if Brady's back. Like, I think if Brady's back, almost regardless, I think the Saints 
are probably the opponent opening night. Um, even, and they're not going to have Drew Brees. Like, even with Taysom Hill, whoever their quarterback is, I think it's Saints and Bucks. But I think if the Chiefs win, I think the Bills are their opponent. There's no one in the division that excites me for that. You're not going to match him up with uh, – there's like a, there was an NFC team, Dallas. Like, Dallas maybe was the next closest, and like, come on. That might even be Andy Dalton to start the year. So I think the Bills will get the opener against them in week one, and I would want to see that. I would want, again, like, let's get right back out there against them. Let's get right back out there against them, and let's prove to ourselves that the gap really isn't that small. And now I want to turn the conversation, though, to what makes that gap smaller. Because that is the way I'm thinking about this offseason. I don't want to look at this team and just look at the positions of weakness and think, okay, well, this is my biggest hole, so that's my number one priority. Because the Bills have limited assets this offseason. They do not have cap space. They have about $2.6 million as of now. But the cap will go up a little, and there can always be cap casualties. For instance, they can cut John Brown and get $8 million to use somewhere else if they want, and there are other examples like that. So the way I want to think about what their biggest needs are this offseason are in that light. Like, what gets me closer to Kansas City? Because I think right now there's a real conversation going on on this station, on social media, and everywhere where Bills fans are talking about their running game and about the running back position in particular. And there are two sides right now and and everyone is digging in and they're on their side of the fence and they are just they're hurling arguments back and forth it's do you invest in a running back because one you had that singletary drop on sunday it's fresh in our minds that you had a running back that couldn't catch the football that was that easy in a game where you needed to play absolutely perfect potentially game-changing play right and you didn't get anything from the run game all year like they were fine but you don't have a game breaker at that position. I don't think you need a game breaker at that position. And it's not that they couldn't use one because it would absolutely be an upgrade. In fact, that might be the position they would see the biggest increase, you know, the biggest upgrade between who they had and who they could bring in. But does going and getting Travis Etienne or going and paying Aaron Jones or even Chris Carson, who's a free agent too out of Seattle, investing one of the few assets you have to upgrade that position, running back, does that help you beat the Chiefs? That's how I'm going to start asking every question this offseason. Does it help me beat the Chiefs? And my answer on running back for that is no. Same. Do you think if Aaron Jones was on your team that you beat the Chiefs on no. Sunday? I don't. I think it could take a a special it would take a special player at that position. And maybe you know what? Maybe Travis Etienne is that. But I, where I get scared off on that idea, it's not even like the player because he, I think he's dynamite, and I think you could use him at wide receiver. You can use him all over the field. His comp is actually maybe Curtis Samuel for the league, like a guy that can play everywhere. You give him the ball in a screen pass, and he's dangerous. He can take it to the house. But listen, look at recent draft history. There's a better recent draft history picking running backs after round one than there is in round one. The Chiefs just did it with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Did it help them at all? They didn't need it, but. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was like maybe the fifth best running back, rookie running back this year. Listen, the Saints have had Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara is a great player. Yeah. But let's they haven't they've been to one Super Bowl. Mhm. With with him? They, not even with not him. Not even with him, I was going to say, yeah. Not even with him. They haven't been to a Super Bowl with Brees and Kamara. 
Christian McCaffrey is one of the most electric players at the position ever. <laughs> they Have they made the playoffs with six, Christian McCaffrey? Six, seven wins. Yeah. We are talking about a position where the only value in the position is like if you have a good passing game. Yes. And what gets you closer to beating the Chiefs on Sunday is if Josh Allen has a good game. That's what gets you closer to beating the Chiefs. That's it. Right. No, because actually they tried to run the football on Sunday. Like out of the gates. They did, that was not like against Baltimore where they threw every play in the first half. It was very strange. If you combine that actually with the fourth down decision making to kick those field goals, like basically trying to lose by less is the way you put it earlier. Like I really think they became the drought bills on Sunday. They tried to run the ball more and they tried to lose by less. That's Dick Geron mindset. You know? That's Chan Gailey. That's that's Greg Williams. It's a, all the guys that came before. It's a mid-major trying to hang with exactly. Alabama so that they might be in striking distance if there's and a, a play. And if there's was, a play later in the game. It was their formula on defense, too, because they played the exact same defense that they played in week six. They played a cover two, two safeties high. Their corners backed up, only rushing four men, almost every play, making sure you didn't get beat over the top. Meanwhile, just letting them pick you apart. And that was fine to do at the beginning of the game if your offense could keep up. But once you saw your offense couldn't keep up, where was the aggressiveness? Where was the where was the change? Where was the um, the adjustment made on that side of the football? That was kind of the same thing. It was like, we're just going to delay the Chiefs. Like, we're not even going to try to take the ball away. We're just going to delay them. We're going to delay the inevitable. And it's not to say they can't improve at running back. I actually want to see them bring in a new guy over Devin Singletary. I'm not even kidding. I actually like Devin Singletary as a player. I hated the Zach Moss pick. Hated it. And it's not because of Zach Moss. I like Zach Moss. I think between the tackles and pass blocking, pass blocking might be the number one trait the Bills need out of a running back because they don't run the football and they don't throw the ball to the running back. So what do you need that back to do now? I need him to be responsible and I need him to block for Josh Allen because that might be his number one job. Zach Moss is one of the best running backs that has come into the league in recent memory doing that. They were talking about him blocking defensive ends in college and he showed up and he did very well at it. And I just didn't think he was a natural compliment to Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary, even though he's 5'7", and he, he kind of gets looked at as more of a dynamic running back because his number one trait is being able to make defenders miss in space. That does not make him this burner, this dynamic home run threat of a running back. He is actually a better first, second down between the tackles running back. And I thought the Bills needed, to if they were going to draft a guy, Draft a guy like Antonio Gibson out in Washington who played wide receiver in college more than running back. A guy that you're just going to throw screen passes to and that can line up at wide receiver on any given play. Like, they needed that style of running back. Now we're in a position where they don't have that player. And I think they, if you're going to have a compliment to one of your backs, and I think right now Zach Moss would outrank Devin Singletary, and the Bills would agree. Moss played more than Singletary down from, like, week six on. Right. Who's the most natural compliment to Zach Moss? It's not a Devin Singletary-type player. Because what we saw on Sunday is, if he does have to go out for a pass, he's not cutting it. He's not a good pass-catching running back. 
He's just not. He's fine. He's not the worst. But if I'm going to, where is my Camara? And that's not to say I want to invest, you know, what it might take to ensure that. Camara is a third round pick. And if I'm replacing that position, I want to do it while leaving myself the assets to address other needs. And that can mean cheaply paying a James White or Jarek McKinnon, you know, someone I could trust more in the past game. That could mean drafting. There's this Gainwell kid out of Memphis that I've been looking up the past couple of days uh, that would be like a third, fourth round pick, more of a third round pick probably. Like that is where I want to live at running back this offseason. I don't want to be talking about Travis Etienne, although maybe it's interesting. So maybe I do want to be talking about it. I just don't want to do it, you know? I wouldn't be furious if they took Etienne. But if you're phrasing the question as, does this pick get me closer to beating the Chiefs? First of all, I don't think that pick exists because you're picking really late in the first round. And also because I think the biggest problem from the game on Sunday was because of two things. Conservative coaching and uh, and Josh Allen did not play great. If If those two things change, I think you're in the game against the Chiefs. So, yeah. That, that, no, that's right. I don't know if there's an external factor or a position upgrade that helps you get there aside from those two things. I have one. Tight end? It's not tight end. I'll actually I'll give it to you when we return. I'll come back. I'll give you that one position that I would rank number one on the Bills' offseason needs and one that I think can, abs- I think can help them beat the Chiefs like as an external addition. Um, and then after we do that, I want to get into quarterback around the league and who could be on the move because Adam Schefter set the over under the other day in his mind for quarterback changes in the NFL at 18 teams which is bonkers to think about that many teams changing so I want to take a look around the league uh, at quarterbacks uh, in this division too um, when we return your calls as well at 803-0550 Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on the nightcap on WGR We want to keep good players, but they'll come back to that cap and what we can afford. If it's 175, we're right at it right now. So definitely some tough moves to make, but we want to keep good players. Matt's a good player, so we'd love to keep him here. But again, he's earned this right. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Bills general manager Brandon Bean, his end-of-season press conference earlier today. That's on Matt Milano. Did he sound there to you like he doesn't think they're keeping Milano? I don't want to make assumptions, but that was my first inkling. He has saying he has the right. We we want him, but he has the right to test the market. Didn't sound too optimistic. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. That was discouraging a little bit to hear that. I I thought that they were already going to have a hard time keeping him around. Um, again, they don't have much cap space. I would have liked, or I would what I would like, you know, just on paper would be if you can I, – I think it's inevitable this team's going to move on from John Brown. Like, I, I like John Brown as a player. I think yeah. he was a very underrated wide receiver in this league. He is one of the best route, route runners in football. And you saw last year, you needed an upgrade as a number one wide receiver, but he for he was the best Bills number one wide receiver for a long time Probably. until Stephon Diggs showed up. Like, yeah. he came in, he was asked to play a role. He really had never been asked to play before in the NFL – and he came out with a thousand yards. Did he even make, did he make? Did he make the Pro Bowl? He came close if he didn't. So he proved that he's a legit player in this league. But 
He's in his 30s. Injury history. Gabriel Money. Davis right. showed up and proved he can be a starting receiver in football. And the money. like you, I think I would love to see them take that $8 million you save from John Brown and just give it to Matt Milano. It might not be that simple because you've got other stuff to do. you got to pay rookies. And one other thing that I want to get to here, which I teased at the end of the last segment, 803-0550, by the way, if you're sitting on hold, we'll get to you in just a second. The number one need I think the Bills have this offseason, where I would divulge the majority of their assets. And this is something I think if you nail it, and that's an if. It's a huge if. But if you nail it, I think it could help you beat the Chiefs. They need a franchise pass rusher. They need it in a bad way. Sunday, they decided they were going to go with that t- cover two look all day and they weren't going to blitz. Same thing they did in week six. This team is not built to sustain a four-man pass rush for an entire game. Jerry Hughes can still do it. He gets consistent quarterback pressure for a guy in his age in the league. Playoffs especially, he's been unbelievable for the Bills, even though now he's going to be 33 by the time the next season starts. Mario Addison, that was kind of a flop, honestly. Like, I didn't see much. And that's two free agent additions in a row at defensive end where you've kind of half-assed it, where you've gone for, like, the third, fourth best guy in the market. First it was Trent Murphy, then it was Mario Addison. Both times, it hasn't really worked out. And both guys were at advanced ages anyway. Murphy less so. He was, like, 28 Maybe when they signed him, Addison was in his 30s. They need a guy that is going to play in and play out, be trustworthy to get pressure on the quarterback. I don't know if they have the assets to find that guy. I at least want to see them take a shot at that guy. They took a shot last year with A.J. Epinesa. He doesn't look phenomenal to me when it comes to rushing the passer. He might. Jury's not out on him. Right. I kind of see him, though, like if he develops and he turns into the player they foresee for him. I see him more as like a Shaq Lawson than I do a very good run defender. Yeah, a good With run a few defender. Sacks yeah, he'll in. get just six sacks maybe on one of his good seasons, but he's not—he's not someone you got to double team. That's what they need. And again, I don't need them. I would—they're probably not going to hit on that player, especially as a rookie if they draft him at thirty. But I just want to see them take a shot at it, whether that's their thirtieth pick in the first round or whether that's their—they really only have enough for like one big free agent move, I think. Um, and like that's where I'd want that big free agent move to be. I'm not sure that you can beat Patrick Mahomes unless you generate a four-man pass rush. I'm not sure you can beat Patrick Mahomes at all. But right, right, uh, your point is taken. Yes. So I I would agree with you. Like once again, I don't think that a few more pressures in Sunday's game would have turned the outcome. Once but if he again, was under it, duress more often, like you gotta. But but what's duress more often? Like, it's so funny because pass rushing stats are very sporadic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if he's getting if he's getting a pressure, one, you know, averaging out to like one and a half per per series, yep. then okay. But like those kind of players are very few and far between. You know, it, they're they just are. like they're not available, right? Like. That, that's what you're drafting a top guy in the draft for. That's what uh, a lot of the, you know, that's what like a T.J. Watt and a J.J. Watt in his prime and a Von Miller in his prime and Aaron Donald now. That's what those guys are. Von Miller, by the way, is a free agent, but he's older. And yeah. he's he has some 
some troubles right now. There's there's a lot going on with him. He's coming off that injury, and then there's something some off, off the field. The field I forgot stuff what it is. That is not really certain at this okay. point. But the, the point stands like it, it to me. It would be hard to find to land a pass rusher with in this off season that can help you get to that level where. I feel comfortable that you're there with the Chiefs. Because once again, to me, it comes down to the play of the quarterback. And if your quarterback plays, if Josh Allen plays like he did on Sunday, but you're generating a few more pressures, you might See, hold Mahomes to a right. fewer points, but you're not scoring enough to even keep up with Mahomes on a three-quarters day. I think just something's got to give there. Like You can only do so much against Mahomes. And you're you're almost entirely right in my mind that it almost doesn't matter, and like what they do this off season at defensive end, unless they absolutely get like an all pro guy, like you ran off the list there. But I think it would be an improvement, and it would help you win in maybe a minuscule way if you if there's if there are six or seven pass attempts from Mahomes on a, a given game against the Bills where he has one or two fewer seconds than he would before. Because we know by seeing Mahomes and seeing those guys on that offense that get separation like Hill and Kelsey, that one, two seconds can be an enormous difference. That can be a 40-yard play versus a dump-off to the running back. Sure. So, right, it's Yet not again, lost but it's on me, though, that— And right. a dump-off to the running back could be a 30- or 40-yard play. That's also right. <laughs> um now, who is available? Like, free agency, like I mentioned Von Miller, but again, there's, there's a lot going on there. Bud Dupree is my favorite idea from free agency because he's not quite up there yet in age. He's 28 years old, eight sacks in 11, uh, in 11 games last year. PFF grade was through the roof, one of the better outside linebackers in the league for pass rushing. Um, he, to me, is like the number one name I was looking at. Otherwise, if you want a couple other, Hassan Reddick had the most sacks among any of these free agents. Jadavian Clowney is not really a name I want to go near. Um, he's on this list. Uh, Trey Hendrickson from New, New, Orleans. New Orleans, 27 years old and 14 sacks. Although I was reading about him the other day, and that number might be fluky. Like he didn't play as big a percentage of the snaps as you might think, and his quarterback pressure number was not in line with a lot of the other top sack getters in the league. So, so he just had he lucked into a 14 sack. He, he didn't luck into it, but I think the argument there might be that. He's not going to be a guy that does that every year. He might be more around seven, eight sacks on okay. a consistent basis. Um, That'd still be better than what they're getting it now. It would. Yannick Ngakwe, we've talked about him probably ten times, I feel like, over the <laughs> years. Um, they could go back to that. He had eight sacks again this year, but that's not, again, an elite pass rusher. It's a good one. Um, that's where I'd want to go. Where where, where would that rank on your offseason list, wish list? Would it be above running back at least? I think, mo- I think yes, for most people yes. it would be, but not everybody. I, I still think that the running backs are adequate. I, like, I, I don't think... So where would running... Maybe that's the better question. Where would running back rank for you? Because uh, maybe it's low see, on your list. Here's the thing. The, the Bills don't really have a lot of holes on the roster. They don't. So it kind of gives you the luxury to find better replacements for areas that you don't really feel like there's a hole. Like, I don't think of the running back position as a whole right I don't think of it as a dire need it's a luxury and the bills might be in position that they have they have a good enough roster they might be in position to address that and I'd be fine with that I'm not married 
to the idea of Devin Singletary or Zach Moss long-term. And if the Bills feel that they can get better production elsewhere and it's not going to cost them too, too much, yep. then I'm fine with that. Like, I'm not there, – there are very – What about tight end? Is that considered a luxury position for you? It's it's a, a step above that to me. It's not like a pillar. Like I think there are how many do I end up having? Five pillars of the organization that I think you need to have on your roster: franchise quarterback, franchise pass rusher, number one wide receiver, number one cornerback, and franchise left tackle. Like those five things, I think are the five most important things to have. Tight end is not really that close to that, but it would certainly outrank running back for me. I think a tight end is more of a need than running back in the current Bills offense. So you'd I, rather pay Hunter Henry than Aaron Jones? I would not rather pay him. Okay, so maybe that's the wrong player. Sorry. Right. So, <laughs> I would much rather have Aaron Jones than Hunter Henry. Okay. But I think if Dawson Knox is your second tight end... That's where I think you need to get to. That's that's where I'm at. He's not a bad player. I, yeah. but I, I like him, I like Moss, I like Singletary, but if you can upgrade, then why would you argue against it? Yeah, and Knox's hands, man, they're just they're just way too inconsistent for a team that throws this much. And like you see, you're not going to find Travis Kelsey, but you just see what a difference that can make on the other side of the field. That's, and Hunter Henry is not that player. Don't get me wrong. That's he would interesting, be though. Hunter Henry is a is Hunter Henry is such a <laughs> he's somewhere between Knox and Kelsey, obviously. Yes, I mean that there's a big difference there. So there's a lot of players that are somewhere in between right. Knox and Kelsey. <laughs> that's right, uh, but. Uh, Hunter Henry's interesting. That's about where it becomes intriguing to me, the idea of Aaron Jones against X tight end. Hunter Henry, Hen- Henry's about there. He's good. Yep. Do I want him more than Aaron Jones? It depends on the money. I'm more comfortable paying a tight end than paying a running back, so I might actually lean more Hunter Henry, but I think okay. Aaron Jones is significantly better at his position than Hunter Henry is at his. I also don't like what it says when you sign Aaron Jones, because then I feel right. you you have to pay him to get him. Like what running backs make. He's not getting even what Hunter Henry would get as a tight end. But you pay Aaron Jones, and I feel a lot of teams, and maybe the Bills, I don't quite know where the Bills would, would fall in this, but I feel like most teams that would pay a running back like that would feel... They would feel obligated to give that guy the ball more. Like Dalvin Cook in Minnesota? Exactly. Like, they paid Dalvin Cook, and they, like, we got to build our offense around this guy. Like, look look what we're giving him. Derrick Henry, same thing. Like, he is a big, bruising running back that they drafted in the second round and then gave a big contract. They're going to use that guy. And I'm afraid to invest in that position just because I don't want the Bills to, to trap themselves into thinking they need to run the football. So, I don't know. Other tight ends, by the way, in this list, uh, Robert Tunyon is a free agent. 11, tu- he, 11 touchdowns for Green Bay. Uh, Gronk, but that's not going anywhere. But Tampa, Gerald Everett, Jonu Smith is actually intriguing in Tennessee. He's fast for a tight end, and he's young, 26. Um, that's about it. Trey Burton, you're getting pretty low on the list after that. So There are a couple tight ends in this draft. There are. Kyle Pitts is like oh, dynamite, well, but you're, you're not yeah, getting him. way out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> is like it, how far would you have to trade up? up? Would you have to trade up to 10? Are we already talking about this? Maybe I, I think he's a up. better tight end prospect than Hawkinson, and Hawkinson went he eight. Went eight right before the Bills. So I would. that's no. about where I would start my – that's There's where I would say. I would say you'd probably have to go to 10 at the minimum. Yeah, I don't want to trade that high up for a tight end. No, cuz you're you're talking about 
next year first and, <laughs> yeah i mean th- there's no way but there's Fryermuth out of penn, penn state. state brevin jordan from yep. miami you might be able to get him in the second round like there's there's good tight end prospects if they took a, a tight end in i don't you know why i don't like that though for my argument on what helps you beat the chiefs the bills window is now and that historically is a position where it takes a year or two for them to get sure. integrated in the league. Like it's very slow starting position when it's tight end acclimating to the NFL. And you draft a guy even at thirty, and I'm probably not counting on him to do a ton in his rookie season. I agree. And that's why I said earlier in in the show, I don't think you really have the draft capital to get a guy that narrows the gap between you and the Chiefs, no matter where the position is. Now, would you trade it then? You could make <laughs> the argument that running back is yeah. that position that is the most likely to have a year one impact more than any other position at that spot in the draft. I think you could make that argument. That's that is the best that is the best counter I have heard yet towards convincing me that the Bills that I should that I shouldn't hate the idea of the Bills drafting ETN. In the first round is the thing you just said that running backs they enter the NFL they're in their primes already. Jonathan Taylor, yeah, all of them. Who? Yeah. who what running back took Clyde time great. to develop? Antonio Henry Gibson might... looked really good. Henry's James, the only one. James slow. Robinson was an undrafted free agent <laughs> who ran for a thousand yards. See, now he's now he's working to my argument that I can find a running back in the third round or undrafted like James Robinson that I think can produce um, if you if you pick him enough. So. Yeah, so but like if the question is what gets me closer to the Chiefs this season, running back might be the only answer. That doesn't mean I want them to do yeah. it. No, but that's a that's a good counter for the other side. The the team let's draft a running back in the first round. That's that needs to be your campaign slogan right there. That needs to be on the lawn signs everywhere. It needs to be on the buses. Like the, these guys are ready to step in and contribute right away. That needs to be it. How about a defensive tackle that jeez that position is i don't think they're going to do anything cuz Latulale will be back um and they drafted Ed Oliver and he wasn't bad enough to where you'd take him off the field he was probably a pretty average season i would say it's tough to it's tough to measure because even Brandon Bean said that he's getting doubled a lot so a lot of what you're seeing is Man, but what can he do? You know what? You drafted defensive tackle ninth overall yeah, with I know the skill set of him. He should have been expecting that guy was going to get double teamed in the NFL. Um, all right, we got to take a timeout. When we come back, maybe a little hockey, and we'll take a call or two as well. Here on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney, this is WGR. We've all been there at some point in our career, and I think everyone on the bench is super happy to see him finally tap one in. He's had lots of chances, and I think that he's just going to, they're just going to come to him now. That is Sabres rookie Dylan Cousins. He scored last night, as did Jack Eichel, who he was talking about there. 8030550 is the phone number. Get to hockey in one second. But Mike in New Jersey's been waiting on hold. I'm going to get to him on the Bills here. Uh, Mike, you are on with Joe and Brendan on the nightcap. What's up? Hi, Joe and Brendan. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm really happy we made it this far this season. But hey, I. First of all, I want to give my recommendation in terms of what type of changes I want to see going forward on the Bills team. I think uh, before we get running back or tight end or anything else, we need to fix, we need to make our O-line and D-line better, I'll be honest with you, because 
whenever we were going against like a premium fast wrestling team, mm-hmm. um, you, because of Josh Allen's mobility, we were you know we were not able to recognize it. But they were all the time the offensive linemen were pushed back into Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, th- thanks for the call, Mike. I think offensive line, by the way, will come become an even bigger need if they can't re-sign Darrell Williams, which is a very strong possibility they won't they won't be able to do that. I think interior offensive line or right tackle. Feliciano's a free agent too. Exactly, by the way. Uh, interior offensive line or right tackle is about the only position that might rival running back. And I still don't think it's particularly close. I do. I'm not saying I don't yep. agree that they definitely need to upgrade some spots along the offensive line. But if we're talking about what gets you co- closer to Kansas City, offensive line upgrade might yep. be close to. That's right. Running back. All right, let's get to hockey here before we run out of time. The Sabers are tied for nope, not tied for playoff spot because Pittsburgh, I think, won. Last night, somebody won. But last night after they won, they were tied for a spot. They're two points back. It's still very early in the season. Although, 56-game schedule, everything's condensed. Like, we already got to start thinking about these things. You're more than 10% through the through the season. And this is really... Last night was strange. They, to me, controlled the game for the first two periods. For 40 minutes of hockey, they were the better team. They got, they got run over in the third. Maybe their own doing, just parking the bus and just trying to get out of there with a 3-2 win. They do. They get away with it. Um, but I think this is six games in a row. I think other than the opener, I think the Sabres have been the better team every game. Yes. And I more and more am looking at playoff odds and thinking that it might be realistic. One, because the Sabres, even though their record is not representative of this, like their shot share is near the top of the league. Their their high danger scoring chances are really really well ranking. Uh, possession time. Their power play is eighth in hockey right now. That's five goals in the last two games for the power play. Their power play looks beautiful. And they're even they're getting saves from Allmark, like here and there. Yeah. So I think this formula could be enough given. Everyone at the top of the league that we thought were sure things like they're showing they're showing a little bit of vulnerability, especially. Um, the Islanders, who are below the Sabres right now. I think the Sabres will make the playoffs. I am not quite there, but I'm getting to the point of saying it will be disappointing if they don't. I think if you... I And I think you can expect at least two of the next three victories. One, against the, one game against the Rangers, and then the two this weekend against the Devils. If you win two of those, perhaps even all three, or maybe take you know five out of six points, I think you're kind of getting into the conversation of this team needs to make the playoffs. I hmm. don't think we're very far away from that conversation. They could go out and lose tomorrow and get swept this weekend by the Devils, and then we're back to square one. Mm-hmm. But I just the the way this team is playing better, more so than hot stretches we've seen in the past couple years where the underlying numbers weren't very sustainable this seems like a sustainable model of success and the fact that Ristolainen and McCabe are playing so well (laughs) is incredibly encouraging it is it's it rivals Josh Allen's improvement in accuracy (laughs) for weird things that we didn't expect from Buffalo sports teams this year um yeah I will see if it holds up but so far like you got the Sabers tw- official Twitter account out here, 
referencing McCabe and Ristolainen's <laughs> expected goals for percentage. Like, Love what it. year are we living in? Like, this is awesome. The present, um, Joe. It's the present. And they're only 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. I think I agree with you. I think I'm not ready to declare that they're going to make the playoffs, but. I'm not either. I'm, I think they will. Like, if someone, yeah. if, if I had to put a bet on it, I would say that they, they will make the playoffs. And part of that is not even their own doing. I think what we thought was this gauntlet of a division that they had to go through yep. looks much more pedestrian Definitely. than we originally thought. Everyone is showing vulnerability. Washington. The, everyone, by the way, in net. Name a team right now that you're sure they have great goaltending the rest of the New way in Jersey. this division. That's it. New Jersey with Mackenzie Blackwood and and Wedgwood right now. Okay. Blackwood and Wedgwood See, are I'm not, doing really well. They are doing well now. I'm yeah. not sure if that holds up. I would say Boston is the only team I'm sure of. Like Rask is dynamite. Even Philadelphia. Carter Hart had a weird start to the year. Washington. And he can't play on the road. Right. The Rangers with Shesterkin, who was a Calder Trophy candidate. He's had a shaky start. The Rangers look terrible. Varlamov looks very good in, in New York. But they are so good at suppressing shots. It's like, and put anyone in that there. Here's the thing, Joe. Um, the, the Capitals have 11 points. And I think the Sabres <laughs> outplayed them in three of the... They've gotten, what, six of their 11 points against the Sabres? And yeah. I think the Sabres outplayed them in three of the four games they played. And I'm not That's even right. sure it was really that close. Washington they just might, couldn't score. Washington might be a little fluky, too, though, because they have three overtime losses and they have a shootout win. So their record, yeah. their their point total might not be as indicative of how good they are. But we'll see. They're, they're so talented that they'll. I'm guessing they'll get it together. And they, they get their guys back. Right. So. Yeah. But but overall, like it's gettable. Oh, division yeah. is gettable. 100%. Top four. They are two points out of second place. That's 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 a pretty good place to be. Don't fall behind early. And they're they're sticking with it. They're keeping pace. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening on the show tonight. Sabres hockey tomorrow here from 7 to 9.30, whenever the game wraps up. Sabres versus Rangers. So we will be back talking to you on Friday at 7 o'clock, looking ahead to the weekend. Uh, a lot of hockey probably on Friday's show. And we'll start talking a little Super Bowl prop stuff, maybe. I want to get into that. Um, and we did not have time to get to our quarterback carousel around the league, so that'll definitely be on Friday. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. This is WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 